Let me pray for us as we uh, look at the scripture this morning. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, uh, you invited us 10 years ago to come and be part of something you were already doing here in Northeast Minneapolis. We're grateful, whether we've been here a week or 10 years, we're grateful to be here today because we're in your presence. And uh, we're thankful, God, that no matter what's going on in our lives, uh, you are always open to healing us, forgiving us, reassuring us, reminding us of who we are, and uh, sending us back out, God, for another try to do the work that you have created us to do. And so we receive that from you today, and we pray that you'd encourage us uh, as we look at your scripture today. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Good morning. Good morning. So (laughs) who was here like four weeks ago when the two of us were standing up here? Okay, that was the first time we ever did that, and this is the second. Here we are in 10 years. Yep. And um, the good news about this is that um, you get to hear from both of us. The questionable news is just exactly how that's going to go because it's relatively unscripted. But that's on purpose because we wanted to share our heart with you guys today. So we want to answer the question, what are our hopes for Mill City Church as we look into the future? What do we hope that God would do? And we've been asking the covenant members and we've been talking to our leadership team. So we're going to represent all of them today. Just some thoughts about what we, our hopes are for Mill City But before we do that, um, I want to say two things. The first thing is, I want to take a moment, because I don't, we won't do this tonight, but I want to take just a really quick moment uh, to say to Michael and to his wife, Carissa, that these are the two people who, remember last week, if you were here, J.D. and Christian Ann stood up here and said, we're taking a risk. Anybody with us? You remember that? Some of you were there. It's a big deal for the first two people to say that. And Michael and Carissa were the first two people to say that, so that people like me and a few other people joined in the crazy, the first crazies joined in for the first time. So even though we won't make a big deal of it tonight, can you guys just join me in thanking Michael and Carissa for taking that risk? It's a big deal. And uh, if you want a chance to look at that slideshow, we're going to run it again tonight, and you'll notice a cute little baby in a little I Heart Northeast onesie, and that was Michaela, who was born... Four days after our first worship service. (laughs) I love it. Four days after the first. But luckily, we were only having services every other week at the very beginning. So we had the next we had that first Sunday off. It's true. So that was nice. That was parental leave at that point. (laughs) Mill City Church history. Yeah. The the Larsons have a little bit more space after having a child. We just like to challenge each other around here. So that's good. No, but genuinely, I just it's really important to me that people know that because it takes a couple crazy people for the rest of us crazies to join in. And so now here you are, all you crazy people here in northeast Minneapolis doing what we're doing. I wanted to start off by saying um, we want you to know what our mission is for the next fu- for the future of Mill City Church. Are you ready for it? Big reveal today. The big reveal, big of, the reveal mission, of the mission statement the mission of Mill statement, City Church. Mill City Church as we look into the future. Are you ready? Okay. Loving our community in the name of Jesus. Wow. <laughs> wow. I was on the edge of my seat there. <laughs> Some of you are like, what was that? If you haven't been around, that has been the mission statement since before this church even had a name. And that is what we're going to continue to do, you guys. We're going to keep loving our community in the name of Jesus. And our covenant members know that in our membership covenant, there's a little bit of an addition that says, by, how are we going to do that? So let's put this up on the screen. Loving our community in the name of Jesus by reproducing communities of missional disciples. That's what we've been trying to do. Communities are your nuclear family. They are missional communities. They are the communities that you are a part of where you live, work, and worship, and play, and all that. And they're church communities, as we're talking about sending out a new church in 2019. And so that's how we do that. 
but every single one of us participates in that. We want to talk about that a little bit today. So our question, what do we hope God will do in the future of Mill City Church? You all got a little post-it when you came in on the front of your program, and we want you to answer the question as you're sitting there today, what do you hope God would do through Mill City Church? You don't have to write your name on it or anything, but in a little bit when we close with communion, we're just going to have people put those on those whiteboards so that tonight you all are represented as we celebrate our 10 years, as we look forward to the next 10 years. We get to just have you all declare what you hope you'd see God do. So be doing that at any point during this. But we want to share just a little bit of, of our heart. There's a lot of hopes that we have, a lot more than we will share right now. But we thought we would just share some of them that came to mind. Yeah, and the text that's guiding our conversation this morning is from Hebrews chapter 12. And the reason we picked this text from Hebrews chapter 12 is because it talks about the need for all of us to keep going. And part of this conversation over the last four weeks has been to celebrate what has happened, uh, but also to look forward and say what will happen, what, what's, go- what's coming up, what's next. And I chose the message translation of the Bible for this reading this morning. Uh, the message aims to get more at what are the core ideas and is a little bit less focused on word-for-word translation, and it's usually a little more in regular everyday language. So here's, here, let me read it to you from Hebrews chapter 12. They say, do you see what this means? They're referring back to chapter 11 where all these people are listed who had faith in God over the generations. Do you see what this means? All these pioneers who blazed the way, all these veterans cheering us on. It means we better get on with it. Strip down, start running, and never quit. No extra spiritual fat, no parasitic sins. Keep your eyes on Jesus who both began and finished this race we're in. Study how he did it, because he never lost sight of where he was headed. That exhilarating finish in and with God, he could put up with anything along the way, cross, shame, whatever. And now he's there in the place of honor, right alongside God. When you find yourselves flagging in your faith, go over that story again item by item, that long litany of hostility he plowed through. That will shoot adrenaline into your souls. And so there's this idea that um, sometimes it's easy to look back and, and say, wasn't it great? Wasn't it great when we did this, that, or the other thing? And while that's important to do, we're also being encouraged by Scripture to say, look back on the story so that you have energy and passion and vision to go forward. And what Stephanie and I are talking about this morning are some of the hopes we have as we look forward to what Mill City will do in the future. So the, anything you want to say about that? I just like the idea of adrenaline shooting through your soul. Yeah. <laughs> That's all. <laughs> Yeah, this idea that when you look back over the generations and you remember what people have done before you, that it gives you passion and energy to go forward. That's, that's the heartbeat of the passage. And I think that all of us know that what it feels like to be in need of that, don't you? Like when it feels like, oh, man, there's just so much going on. There's so much to step into if I'm really going to follow God. And that this just feels hopeful to me, that, that when we remember what God has done, it's like adrenaline shooting through our soul. I just think that's great. I've been feeling that this month as we've just been going over all these stories and looking at pictures and remembering what's happened. Uh, my own experience of that was just recalling early days of Mill City Church and this vision that we would be a church that joined what God was already doing in the neighborhood and how desperate that made me feel. 
desperate in the sense of if, if you don't know what God's already doing in the neighborhood, if you don't exactly know how to answer that question, you're, you have to get out and try to find out with other people and try to answer the question, where is God at work in Northeast Minneapolis? And every once in a while, just when I'm walking down a street in Northeast, I'll, I'll sort of have this memory of what it was like to just be walking a street for the first time or prayer walking with a group or joining in people trying to figure out what was happening with a set of businesses on Central Avenue. And just the excitement that we don't know what's going to happen, but we're pretty sure God's going to do something amazing. And I've been feeling that adrenaline through my own soul as I've been looking back and saying, I still have lots of passion for not only Northeast Minneapolis, but all the communities that you now all represent. But it requires us to be committed to this vision that God, I think God has given this church, that it isn't only about us uh, relating to each other and being supportive to each other and caring for each other, but it's also about this commitment to keep re-entering the neighborhoods, to keep spiritually paying attention day in and day out for opportunities in your work, in your everyday life, wherever it is you spend your time to say, I believe that God is already up to something in those spaces. I don't really know exactly what it is, but part of my calling, part of my identity as an individual and as a group is for us to keep asking the questions and say, what might be next? I don't want to be here 10 years from now telling stories about what happened in the first 10 years. Do you? We need, we're going to need new stories, and I think God has more things in mind for us, but it requires us to keep risking, to not rest on the things that have been done so far, but to look forward into the future and say, what would it look like to ask where God is present and active in my everyday spaces and in North Minne- Northeast Minneapolis proper where this church worships to say, how do we go deeper? How do we discover anew what God's doing and join in with that? I, uh, I got so excited because there's like 40-something of you who signed up for this class that Michael and John are teaching on how to read the Bible. And so uh, that's fantastic for people to come early and figure out what does it really mean to read the Bible. And I hear that people... It's a really good yeah, class. Yeah, people are excited. Like really good. Because of the professors. Well, mostly. Yeah, okay. Yeah. But I, but I hear from people who are in the class that people are like on the edge of their seat. Like, I want to really know this. I want to really understand this. And to me, that's amazing but if that meant that it's ended with us and didn't influence our neighbors, that would be the opposite of amazing. Do you get what I'm saying? Like, if, if we do any of these things, these equipping experiences, that, and they end with us, the, the, the multiplicative part of what we're talking about our vision is, is we're missing that. I want to know how to read the Bible because I think it matters for my neighbors, even if they don't agree. You know, like, I need to believe that maybe for them. And then when there's those moments that they are in a spot where they need help, like my husband and I have been coming alongside our neighbors because they're caring for their elderly mother, and they're so lonely, you guys. They come out and they're like, what? she told me the other day, sometimes you're the only people we see because we don't get to leave this house. You know, there's just these moments where you get to have an encounter with people. It just takes one moment for it to go from, hey, neighbor, to something deep. And you have told me these stories. You have told me these stories. We have had these experiences. And when I think about these next 10 years, I think about all that God might do through you all in the life of one other person, two other people. Because we can make a difference in Northeast Minneapolis, in the city. But if we do that and neglect the people who are right around us, that would be just such a heartache for me. So that's why we're just so focused on what it looks like to be able to step into the neighborhood. And I'm glad people are figuring out how to read the Bible um, because it is a tool 
to do exactly that. That's you're supposed to start the next one. Oh. Yeah. oh, yeah, right. So um, one of the other things that has been a part of Mill City since its inception is uh, this idea of what it looks like for us to be people who step across the boundaries and lines that a lot of people draw in the sand in our world to separate people. And one of the main ones, there's a number of them, but one of the main ones is along lines of race and ethnicity. And since the beginning of Mill City, we came to this part of Northeast Minneapolis, and we began to learn about this neighborhood. And as we did that, one thing that we learned about, we took a class called City Matters, and we learned about what had happened here in this part of the city really since it started. And what I would suggest, I would name now, having looked back, Northeast Minneapolis has a, a history of, uh, I would call it, kind of a stronghold of racism. And what I mean by that is, is that uh, from its beginning, people were at each other about along, eth along ethnic lines. At the very beginning, it was the Polish people and the Ukrainian people and the Russian people and the, do you know what I'm talking about? There any reason to be separate. And now so much has happened and so much has changed, but that river over there has been used against people groups since North Minneapolis was full of Jewish people and now is predominantly African American. There are some serious things going on here that it's almost impossible to ignore if you have your eyes open to it. And so from the beginning, before it was even making the headlines every single day, we have been wondering what does it look like for us as a community to continue to step into racial reconciliation and justice. Not in a way that we check a box, more like an identity that we take on as people of reconciliation, as reconcilers. Because that identity is one that when you take it on, it never ends. It's always you, it's always who you are. And it's a choice to step into it no matter who you are. And it's an even more intentional choice to step into if you're white and if you're a part of majority culture. And so we've had that conversation over these last 10 years in different ways. And my hope, our hope would be that it would continue as we step into the future, as we wonder what it means that at this point our little kids are nearing 25% uh, minority. So we're talking about, and as we look at our community and our neighborhood and say, what does it mean that in just a few years there's gonna be what some people call a minority majority? What does it mean for us to be people of love to say, I want to engage with people who are different than me, not because it's, it's the right thing to do or any of those things, but because God compels us out of love to do that. This has been a heart for us, and I just hope that it's a, a part of the where we go into the future. And I've heard from a lot of you that it is. Some of the initial post-it notes talk about that, and it really, it really has shaped a lot of who we are as a community, and I hope that it continues to shape us. From the first days of our trying to love our community in the name of Jesus, one of the learnings was you can't love your neighborhood in the name of Jesus in this part of the city unless you understand the racial tensions and divisions. And so it's not enough to reach out to your neighbor and say, come to our worship service. As Steph said, especially as people of privilege and people who, uh, people like me who are white and male and tall and have lots of privilege, to, to really learn from people of color, to learn to listen, to learn to be uncomfortable, to learn to um, be willing to sit in settings where you don't control the agenda, to start to hear what other people are saying about their experience of their life in the neighborhood um, and not be defensive and to allow the gospel to influence that conversation, to say what does the good news of Jesus Christ have to say about the way people relate to each other across ethnic lines uh, to name places where race is really destroyed and been institutionalized um, is all so important. You can't do our mission. It's not like a thing on the side that you can do sometimes. It's central to loving your community in the name of Jesus. And I'm so grateful for the leaders and the people of color who have partnered with Mill City Church and are part of Mill City Church who have very patiently said, here, here are some things that Mill City needs to learn 
if it's going to move forward in this area and we're really committed to that cont continuing in the next 10 years. Absolutely. Um, so here's another thing that has become very apparent that we are going to focus on in the future of Mill City Church because it's going to happen. And that is we are about to have just like a lot of teenagers. Okay, so you see these people over here? They're going to be teenagers. We've got some teenagers here. Love you guys. The Mill is our student ministry. We love the teenagers that we have. But right now, you guys are kind of the beginning. And you get to have like a barbecue and you can count on two hands how many of you there are. But we know that there's about to be a bunch of them because they're on fifth and fourth, third grade right now, right? And one of the things that feels like a really important thing for all of us to recognize, whether you are a person who has your own kids, whether you're married and you don't have kids, maybe you don't even plan on having kids, whether you're a person who's single or finds yourself single again in your life, we are all about to have a bunch of teenagers. Do you understand what I'm saying? We, we owe our very lives to these people, not because they are the future of Mill City Church, but because they are Mill City Church. They are who we are. They're at the core identity of who we are, what it means for us to be people who figure out how to step into the generations to come as people who love Jesus in a world that is increasingly becoming uh, post-Christian is a, a phrase that we would often use. I think a best way to define the word post-Christian would be to say it's a time in our country and in the world where Christianity is not the norm and not considered the people with as much of the power and privilege, okay? And as we move into a post-Christian time, there's actually some really great things that I think Jesus can do in the midst of that. But it's also going to bring up some challenges, isn't it? And I think that that means that every one of us owe it to these young people who are coming up through our ministry and through our family, not just our ministries, but our family, to be people who are figuring out how to wrestle through some of the biggest questions that you're facing in your own faith life so that we can not tell them the answers but wrestle with them. Do you see that difference? Some of you are tired of wrestling with your faith questions. Some of you are feeling overwhelmed. Can I motivate you by saying it's going to matter beyond just you how you do that because we've got a whole community of people who are going to wonder together what does it look like to be somebody who goes from being a skeptic to a seeker? And what does it look like to be someone who doesn't just wander in their faith but actually has wonder and curiosity about who God is even when we don't have all the answers? And so together we get to do that with this next generation that's coming up. And I don't know the details of what together is going to mean. It's going to mean a few things for sure, though. One, we've already got one-to-one -one mentorship happening with our students, and we hope to do that. But you can imagine as they grow, we're going to need more of you who are willing to mentor. Uh, I think there's going to be some interesting ideas like apprenticeship, where students can come and watch how you do your work and learn how you try to wrestle through integrating your faith with the work that you do. I, I don't even know. But for sure, everyone is going to be praying and going to be coming alongside what it means for us to welcome this next generation into the center of our community, not hoping for the future. Does that make sense, what I'm saying? Like the sense of the central aspect of it. I, I just have the sense that God's going to empower all of us if we focus on how we empower them together and that they feel supported and, and feel like a part of the center of what's going on and not like, once again, not like a side thing, but that they're the center of all that we do. I had this great conversation over the summer with a, a first-year college student who's connected to Mill City. And uh, in a, it was three hours long. In three hours, I think he asked me every hard question I can possibly think of related to Christian faith and cultural uh, shifts and social issues and political issues and, and, and everything. Um, and it was really an enlightening conversation for me in lots of ways um, because I realized 
these are all questions that an 18-year-old person has got to answer. It's not optional. They can't stick their head in the sand and say, that one's not important to me. They, they need answers to those questions. And one of the things I love about our students now and the students that we will have is that they seem less afraid to ask those questions. Sometimes we've all learned to kind of duck questions we don't like, right? Anybody develop that skill as they got older? They don't do that. They just say, oh, I need to know this and this and this and this and this, okay? Pastor, tell me the answer to these questions. Um, we need to be ready to help them wrestle with those questions as, as uncomfortable as some of those questions might make us. That's part of our job as a church, and if we don't do it, we've not been good stewards of helping those, those people form their faith. And so I'm really excited that this will be a focus for us to say, what does it look like to help young people form their faith in a 21st century culture so that as they grow into adulthood, they don't get blindsided by questions they've never thought of, or they at least don't know where to go to find the answers. Uh, you're, you start the next one. I have to start the next one. <laughs> this is really smooth so far. Yeah, it's good. It's going really well. The last thing we want to talk about this morning in terms of focus or hopes for the next 10 years has to do with uh, focus on equipping. And many of you know that we call our 9 o'clock hour the equipping hour. Uh, we don't call it Sunday school. That's not because we're trying to be cool. Uh, it's because we really want to emphasize that equipping you to participate in what God is inviting you into on an everyday basis is one of the primary focuses of the future of Mill City Church. We are not under the impression that Mill City Church can do all that God has called it to do in only its events, its organizational structure, the, the official Mill City stuff we're doing with our partners. It's actually mostly you noticing and, and discerning where God is inviting you to do things and doing them. I was just in this conversation with people in our church where they're saying, hey, here's what's going on in my workplace. I, I get to go visit people in their places of business. And they tell me, this is how what we've learned at Mill City Church is influencing how I'm working at the hospital, how I'm working in the accounting field, how I'm working on the construction site, how I'm treating other people. That's what Mill City Church really is, in my view. And so we want to keep focusing on figuring out what do you all need to help answer questions, to keep you encouraged, to keep you connected to God in ways that allow you to have the margin in your life and the space in your life and the stability in your life to step into the things that God has called you to do. So that's why we're offering classes. That's why we have missional communities. That's why we have all the different equipping opportunities that we've put together. It's, it's so you can be Mill City Church every day of your life. And we'll have continue to have official Mill City events and organizations uh, and efforts. But mostly for me, it's all of you living out the vision of Mill City Church every day that we want to focus on. Yeah, absolutely. There's been a lot of different kind of themes that we've seen, even just in the equipping we've done in the last few years. Things that it feels like there's a felt need. Does that make sense? So it's not, let's, let's think of an interesting class and try to convince people to take it. Let's say, what are the felt needs that you all have and how can we respond to those? And so there's been quite a few. I want to just point out one that I think is really important and is going to continue to be important. And that is the, the concept of what it looks like to be emotionally healthy Jesus followers. I think unless you've been off the grid, it's an increasingly anxious world that we're living in. Would you agree with that? There's increased just anxiety in the, in the air that we breathe and the space that we're in. Unless you were off the grid this last week, uh, you'd realize that anybody who had experienced any sort of trauma having to do with abuse or harassment 
or assault would have been in just a really tough spot this week because it was at the forefront of the news, right? And we know that that's a thing because one in four women and one in seven men have been assaulted, have been through something like this. This is us, you guys. This is our experience. We have got to figure out how we can be people who are safe enough for each other to share the things that have happened. We have to be people who say, I don't even know what you're going to say, but I believe you, and I'm listening to you. And we want to figure out what it looks like to create spaces for that at equipping hour, but also to give referrals to people, to Christian counselors, um, people they can connect with so that there's the power of people who sit across from you and say the phrase that's kind of become famous but is me too. There's me too for so many things that have happened in our life, right? We've had a grief group where people could sit around and say, me too, I've been through that kind of loss. And I think creating that kind of space and saying, it's hard, it's going to be difficult, but it's worth it so we can be people who follow Jesus out of a place of emotional health. That's going to be really important for the next generation, too, that we model that. that that's going to mean stepping towards those things that are challenging and hard and not walking away from them. That's going to mean saying that they're important in our life even when it's hard. I heard somebody say the other day that the opposite of grief isn't joy, it's denial. And I wonder what it looks like for us to come out of the denial of some of the things that have really weighed on us as so heavily that are holding us back and doing that together and being people who are safe spaces for that. I think it's so crucial. I couldn't agree more. And I, I want to add that I think part of the challenge for the next 10 years in the equipping sphere is, is thinking about how we have conversations with people we care about, about things that matter generally, and in particular, how we have conversations with people we care about about spiritual things. I know that for many of us, um, we've come from backgrounds where we thought talking about faith, talking about why Jesus matters to us has gotten a bad name for various reasons. And maybe we've had tools that we say, ah, you know, that was very 1985 and I don't really want to use that tool anymore to explain why Jesus is important to me. Here's what I know. If you open up space for people who are maybe not connected to Jesus, not connected to church, which is a lot of people in the world that we live in, and simply say to them, hey, tell me the, sto tell me the story of your spiritual journey. I want to create a safe space for you to tell me the story of your spiritual journey, whether that's been amazing for you, whether it's been hurtful for you. If you open up that space for someone else and they trust you enough, they're going to say, here's what happened. Here's where I've made some turns. Here's what I believe. Here's where I had a bad experience with church. Here's why I think Jesus is cool, but I'm not sure about the rest of it. And then you get the chance to respond to that conversation about the work that you're doing that Stephanie's describing. I know that people are going to come to know Jesus out of those authentic, honest conversations that aren't prescribed. They're not prescripted. They're just really loving conversations where you open up an opportunity for somebody to say, what's this been like for you? Here's what it's been like for me. And we need to get good at that because there's a lot at stake there. And a lot of the other conversations that are happening, they need to have a spiritual core. And we need Jesus to be involved in the conversation. And so we need to keep having conversations and training about that as we move forward. Yes. So the last thing we want to just offer to you is a question to you all. And that is, what do you need to be able to join God in your life as we go into the future of Mill City Church? Because those two questions, what's our hope for Mill City Church and what do you all need to live into the future of Mill City Church are deeply intertwined questions because you are Mill City Church. 
And so when it comes to what you need, uh, we just described a bunch of things. In fact, put that little infographic up there for me, Rollin. Okay, discipleship groups, equipping classes, ministry teams, missional communities, worship here on Sunday, connection time at 10 a.m., a counselor or a coach referral, all of those things. This is not a checklist, friends. This is you saying at the center, what does joining God in your life look like? And it's really important to me that you know that we need, to, we need you to do what you need. Does that make sense? Like, we, like you need to serve more than we need you to fill a team. I don't know how God wants you to do that, but, but I know that you need to so that you feel like you're a part of something. And you need other people through some sort of group or some sort of class to be able to live into what God wants you to do more than we need to fill the classes or the groups. That's not the point. The point is what you need to do and how you're stepping into it. You need these things, not we need these things. We need you to do these things. What we need you to do is what you feel God is leading you to to be able to step more fully into what it looks like to join him in your everyday spaces where you live and you work and you play and you learn. That is what we want to be about here, and that is really exciting to me because I feel like that's how we're going to be able to continue to truly live out our mission here at Mill City Church to love our community in the name of Jesus through each one of you and together as a group. So we're going we're gonna to take this time of communion as we normally do. The band can come up. And now is the time, if you haven't written on your post-it note, just one hope that you have for Mill City's future. We'd love to collect that as you come up for communion. If you haven't been with us before, what we do in, to participate in communion is we form two lines here and here. And then we have people who are serving the communion. You just take a piece of the gluten-free bread. You dip it into the cup. And then there'll be some people to pray for you on the, each of these walls if you'd like prayer. And just place your post-it note on one of these whiteboards as you go by. If you are a follower of Jesus, you're welcome to participate in communion. You don't have to be a part of Mill City Church membership. Just please join us if you're a follower of Jesus. Um, do you want to pray? <laughs> Jesus, we're grateful. We're grateful. As we look back and we look forward, God, uh, you, Jesus, are the center of our life and our faith. If it wasn't for you, we, we wouldn't be having this conversation. We're grateful for your courage, Jesus, for your persistence, for your willingness to face adversity, for your deep trust in the work of God in the world, for your willing to sacrifice yourself on our behalves. God, Jesus, for the grace that you offer to every one of us, no matter where we're at in our spiritual journey, that you invite us into deeper relationship, that you invite us to put our faith in you, to trust that your work on the cross through your death and your resurrection sets us free from sin and provides a pathway forward to be with you forever, both now and after we die. And so, Jesus, we commit this, this church to you. You are the head of our church. We're listening for your leadership, Holy Spirit, as we move forward. Where our plans are in line with you, we pray that you'd bless them. Where you need to change our plans, we pray that you help us to be flexible and, and attentive. Thank you for the sacrifice that you've given to us, God. We receive your body and your blood through your grace by our faith. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.